Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. You know, many well-intentioned, humble Christians refer to themselves as just a sinner saved by grace. The reality is there's nowhere in the Bible where God describes us or asks us to describe ourselves as a sinner saved by grace. No, he calls us saints. He calls us children of God, a royal priesthood, a separated people. You see, when God's holiness begins to uh, get into our lives, he changes our very identity. No longer a sinner, no, we're a saint. And so today we're going to look at the part that God plays in making us holy or sanctifying us. All right, we've been talking about the holiness of God and God's holiness, his impact of holiness in our lives. God doesn't just sit up in heaven and be holy and not want to affect us. We learned last week that the Bible tells us, you be holy because God is holy. Amen? And, and we learned that that holiness is, is, is spiritual maturity. Do you want to stay a little baby Christian, all shriveled up and always being confused by life circumstances? And why did that happen to me? And why am I never going to get ahead in life? And why don't I ever get a break? Or do you want to grow up in God and start being mature and strong in Him with strong faith and not being shaken every time something bad happens. See, God wants to grow us up, and that growth is called holiness. It's called sanctification. He's tweaking you. He's building you. He's changing you. Can you be changed? Do you allow yourself to change? I sure hope so. If the, the, the day you start saying, I can't change, is the day you start dying. God wants you to get better and better and better. And that's a big part that God's holiness, his sanctification, plays in our part. So today we're going to be exploring what part does God play in making you a holier person, a better person, an improved, perfected person. Do you have any imperfections you wish you could get rid of? I'm sure you do. Attitudes you wish you could get rid of, habits that you wish you could kick, maybe reactions that just trigger you. I'll tell you what, God wants to make you a better person. He wants to, to sanctify you, and he plays the biggest role in all of this. You and I, we play a secondary role, which we'll get into next week. But what part does God play in our sanctification? Now look at this. Sanctification is the process of being made holy which is the process of spiritual maturity, which is what I just mentioned. Holiness is far more than just getting rid of sin and being sinless, which we can't be anyways. That's not what holiness is, is not doing wrong. Holiness is being freed from all those hindrances that you have that keeps you from being able to do what God created you to do. Holiness makes you more human than you ever were before. Makes you more you than you could have ever been by yourself. Holiness is the best, most wonderful thing. In fact, last week, we talked about seven benefits of holiness. You want holiness in your life. It's a good thing. And it frees you up to do more than you could have ever done by yourself. And so holiness and sanctification is not legalism. 
Have you ever been to a church before, and I'm not knocking any churches here, but have you ever been to a church before that was worried about your external? They were worried about the way you dressed and the things that you did. And maybe even way back when, if you wore too much makeup or you did your hair a certain way or you didn't have any hair, all right? Have you ever been to a church like that? Don't tell me if you have or haven't. That's not what sanctification is. Sanctification is about changing the heart. And let me tell you what, when your heart changes, your outside will change here and there as well. You'll stop not wanting to do certain things and start wanting to do other things. I'll tell you, between you and me, I hate legalism. I hate, I hate legalism. God isn't a rules-oriented God. God is a heart God. He's interested about what's going on inside of you. Because if you get the inside right, you'll eventually get the outside right as well. Praise God. And so interestingly enough, have you ever heard somebody say, I got saved back in 1992, or I was saved back in, and we talk about salvation, all right? Holiness and salvation go hand in hand. When you talk about salvation, you're talking about holiness. When you talk about holiness, you're talking about salvation. Look at some of these scriptures with the word salvation with the thought of holiness in it. I'm going to look at, show up, flash it up here on the screen. Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 5 says this, But because of his great love for us, that's God, who is rich in mercy, he made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, for it is by grace you have been saved. Look at this. The, the, this is a, a past tense. I was saved. You have been saved. Now look at this next scripture and look at, look at the verb tense in this one. In 2 Corinthians 5.15, it says, for we, are, uh, for we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved. Remember that last verse? It says, I was saved. Now this verse says, I'm being saved. God is actively saving me right now. And for those who are perishing, you look around at people and it breaks your heart. You're seeing, man, those people are perishing. They're their, their self-destructive behavior is ripping them down, is tearing them down. And so you're being saved or you're in the process of perishing, which is very unfortunate. It's tragic. It's, it has eternal consequences. Romans 5, 9, though, now look at this one. It says salvation in a different verb tense. It says, how much more then, since we are now justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath? So it looks to me like there's three stages of salvation, three stages of holiness as well. I was saved, I am being saved, and I will be complete. The salvation will be completed one day, probably very soon for me and very soon for you. All right? That's very important to understand when we're talking about holiness, that there's a progression. There's kind of three stages of holiness that we have to go through. All right. Just as salvation has this progressive action of starting, continuing and completing sanctification and holiness are the same for us. And what I'd like to talk today is just that first stage of, you know what? I was made holy. And it's called, some folks, some theologians call it positional holiness. That God has positioned you, and he said, you're holy. 
I declare you holy. You are holy. Your position is in a holy state. You may not feel very holy. You may have spouted off some foul language when you hit your thumb with that that hammer. All right? You may have reacted poorly just two hours ago, but God declares you holy. He declares you holy. Why? Because you made a decision. You said, God, I repent of my old life. All right? And now, Jesus, I'm going to put my faith in you. And when you make those two decisions, God says, you are holy. That's positional holiness. Look at some of these scriptures. In 1 Corinthians six eleven. it says, and that is what some of you were. And it describes a bunch of horrible people, all right? One of which I used to be that person. You used to be that way, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were made holy. It's done. It's finished. You were justified. What? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Man, you can sigh a big, deep, uh, a big uh, sigh of relief and say, I am holy in God's sight. Man, praise God. It doesn't matter what I've done. It doesn't matter what I haven't done. God is declaring me holy. In Hebrews 10.10, similarly it says, but by that will, we have been made holy. Praise God. Now, remember, it's not just everybody. This is somebody who says, I am transparently coming before God and saying, God, you see all the mess in my life. I am not trying to hide that mess from you. And I acknowledge wrongdoing in my life, wrong personality, wrong reactions, actions, attitudes, habits, all that addictions. It's there, God. But I'm transparent with God. I'm no longer hiding it and saying, no, I'm a good person. No, I'm not a good person. (laughs) I'm not a good person at all. But now, Jesus, that I've been transparent, I put my faith in you just as we heard a couple of weeks ago, like you'd put on a parachute. And you're going to jump out of the plane. You're going to put your full faith that that parachute is going to open up and bring you safely down to the ground. That's faith in Jesus, is putting your whole weight and trust in him. So this positional holiness that we're talking about here, it gives you a new identity. A new identity. Now the Bible, a lot of Folks had their names changed midway through their life. God would give them a new name. You know why God gave them a new name? Because he was giving them a new identity. I don't know about you, but a lot of times I wish I were a different person. I wish I could be a different person. I don't like the way I behave. I don't like the the traps that I fall into. Well, holiness gives you a new identity, the identity of your dreams, The best version of you you could have ever been in a million years with giftings and talents that you didn't used to have that now you can have with a new identity in Christ Jesus because he has declared and made you holy. Look at this. In 2 Corinthians 1 verse 1, the apostle Paul starts talking to this church in Corinth. And he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to Timothy, my brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all of his holy people, his saints, a new identity, a new way of looking at yourself, a new way that God looks at you and a new way that other people are going to look at you as well. A new identity of holiness. 
Now look at this word saint for crying out loud. Man, I was reading, I was watching some kind of documentary and this, I think it was a small town in Italy had made the church there, the Catholic church there had, had made this doctor a saint. They had, and they had a big old, you know, statue of him and his hand was extended and the people would come through the church and they would see his hand and they would kiss that hand and go and then sit down in the church. Can I tell you something? Nobody can make anybody a saint except for God. And here's the good news. You don't have to die before you can become a saint because God is calling you a saint right now. He's calling you sanctified right now. No matter what your thoughts tell you, no matter what your spouse tells you or or somebody else tells you, you are who God says you are. You're a saint. Very imperfect. Granted, we'll all admit that we're imperfect. But we're in that transparent state of repentance and putting our faith in God, as I've mentioned. And God declares you a saint, holy, sanctified, You are set apart for Jesus and Jesus alone. You don't belong to anyone else. You don't belong to your boss. You don't belong to to a tyrant spouse, maybe, if you have one. Hopefully you don't. You don't belong to your past either. You don't belong to that abusive uh, event that happened in your life. You are a saint of God, no matter what you've done or what's been done to you. All right? It's not because of what you've done or not done, because that would exclude all of us. But you have received the free gift of God's righteousness into your life. And God is saying, you're a new person. You're holy. You're set apart. You're sanctified. The very first step that you need to take from now on to receive that is to begin to acknowledge that and say, you know what? If God calls me holy, I'm holy. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start acknowledging that. I'm going to get up in the morning. I've said this to you before. Get up in the morning. Look at that mirror even before you've made up or done your hair and say, you're holy according to God. You're sanctified according to God. You're a saint. You have a new identity. You are a new person. You're talking to yourself. That's the first step towards true sanctification. True, because God's saying it. You need to line up with him. Now, what happens is a lot of times we look in the mirror and we don't like what we see because it reminds us of what we did yesterday, last week, last year, 10 years ago. And we remind ourselves over and over again of that old identity, of that old person. Now, I'll tell you what, if I was 25 and I was athletic and, and I had gotten a scholarship to, to some big college to play football, and, and I get recruited, and I get drafted, and I get pulled into the Dallas Cowboys, all right? I wouldn't want to be on their team, but if I was, and they said, Steve, you know what? You're good, but you're not that good, all right? You're going to be fourth string kicker. Do you think I would go around and say, you know what? I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. No, you know what? I would call every single person on the face of the planet, and I would tell them, I'm a Dallas Cowboy, I am no longer a person who hasn't played football and and hasn't been on. I am on a team, and I am going to let everybody know, and I'm going to be ecstatic because I'm going to be pulling a paycheck without having to play probably a minute, and I have an identity as an NFL football player. Well, why don't we do that? If God says you're a saint, we need to say, I'm on God's team now. I'm not on my old team anymore. 
I'm not doing things on my own anymore. I'm a new creation. I'm a different person. I'm a citizen of heaven, as the Bible says. You see, it's time for us to begin to acknowledge the person that God is saying we are, even if we're not acting like that person quite yet. Guess what? That's the first step towards progress is realizing you are a new person in Jesus. You're you're holy. You're a saint. You're set apart for God's purpose. Your old life is gone. And now positionally, you are who God says you are. In the King James Version, which is that old English version that, that uh, some, some folks still like to read, saint or holy one or righteous one, that, that term is used 240 times. And it always refers to someone who's imperfect, but is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. 240 times that title is given to someone in the Bible or to a group of people. Now, over 330 times, the Bible uses the word sinner, all right? And when the Bible refers to a sinner, it's referring to someone who doesn't believe in Jesus and is actively just living their life however they want to live it. You see, God isn't calling you a sinner anymore, so you don't need to be calling yourself a sinner anymore. It's crazy, The Bible is calling you holy, (laughs) and the way you view yourself is the way you're going to end up acting, all right? So don't call yourself a sinner. You have a new identity. Now, there's there's some that might argue with this and say, Steve, this isn't biblical. You've already gone off the rails, and I'll point it out to you. I'll point it out to you before you can, all right? In 1 Timothy 1.15, the apostle Paul does say, he says, here's a trustworthy say, worthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm the worst. You say, well, what about that scripture? You just said to call yourself a saint and not a sinner. Well, clearly, if you read the context of this scripture, the Apostle Paul was speaking of his previous life. Because he goes on just a couple of verses before then and describes himself as a blasphemer. As a, as a persecutor, as a violent man, was Paul still that way? No, God had changed his life. And so he was talking about his past life, the way that he used to be. Paul did not go around calling him, himself a sinner. He was constantly uh, talking to the churches and referring to them as God's holy ones or God's saints. God doesn't In fact, let me ask you this question before I just tell you what I believe here. Do you think that the Bible calls us sinners saved by grace? We hear that all the time in church circles and songs. There's even a song called that. Sinners saved by grace. Are you a sinner saved by grace? Well, based on what I'm telling you today, no. You were a sinner saved by grace, but your identity is no longer sinner. Your identity is a holy one set apart by God. If you keep calling yourself a sinner saved by grace, that's exactly what you're going to be, a sinner who continues to sin over and over again and keeps needing God's grace to cover your sins. You're a saint. You're a holy one. You're one set apart by God. In 1 Corinthians 6.11, it says, but that's what Some of you were, and I think we've already read this. You were washed. You were sanctified. So you were a sinner, but now you're sanctified. 
So what's the big deal with this whole identity thing that I'm telling you about today? Again, you are going to be who you think of yourself as. <laughs> um, how, do you do, how do you define yourself? Do you define yourself by your sin or by your Savior? Swallow that one. How do you define yourself? By what you've done or by what Jesus did for you? When he said on the cross, it's finished. Is, is his sacrifice not enough? Is there something else that needs to happen? No. Jesus' death is all you need. Stop defining yourself by your past and define yourself by your Savior, by your Lord and Savior. There's a, a preacher who's passed away, Dr. Adrian Rogers. He says, the me I see is the me I'll be. <laughs> the me I see is the me I'll, I'll be. There was a, I think I've told this story before, but there was a, a really famous Canadian couple who was in the ministry. I think they had a radio or TV show. It was a TV show, I think is what it was. And unfortunately, the, the woman in this marriage had an affair. And in the midst of all their Christian stuff that they were doing, she had an affair with another man. She immediately came and admitted it to her husband. And sadly enough, from that one night stand, she was pregnant. So they had to go through all the complications of an affair, and her husband accepted her back and dealt with all the anger and the things that would, came along with that. But through all of this, this lady, obviously, she was broken for what she had done, and um, she had the Lord tell her something that I will never forget. I heard this in a church service. The Lord told her, that's something you did, but that's not who you are. That's something that you did, but that's not who you are. And all of us need to do the same thing. Say, so you know what? I did that, but that's not who I am. I'm somebody who's saved by grace. I'm loved by God. I'm a child of God. So look at this. Do we sin, though? Steve, are you telling me that we shouldn't be worried about sin and Christians don't sin and blah, blah, blah? No, I'm saying we're not sinners, but we definitely sin. I know I sin all the time. <laughs> I know I mess up. I have regrets. I trip up all the time. And I know you do as well because you're human. We all do. And so we can't forget that, that just because I'm not a sinner through identity, I definitely mess up. I definitely mess up. 1 John 1, verses 7 through 10 says, If we walk in the light as Jesus is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' his Son purifies us from all sin. The Bible says, Blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven, whose sins are not counted against him. Blessed is that man. It doesn't say blessed is the man who never sins, because that's never going to happen. But blessed is the man whose sins are never counted against him. But let's read on here in 1 John uh, chapter 1. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us from all sin, all impurity. Praise God. We can't claim that we're without sin because we would make God out to be a liar. Now, does that mean that sin needs to, is you're always going to sin the same sin over and over again? No, God wants to deliver you from sin totally and completely. But let's face it, we're the flesh. 
We do things, we think things, we say things here and there, and we need God's, Jesus' blood to be constantly purifying us, constantly purifying us, but we are saints because that's what God has declared over us. Hang with me, we're almost done here. So, if I'm a saint who sins, what does God think of me? How does he view me? In Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are God's handiwork. You're the creation, the miracle of God. You are special. You are amazing. Your experiences, talents, weaknesses, strengths, all make you one in a billion. You are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. So how could I describe myself? If I'm not a sinner saved by grace, then I can say formally, I was a sinner. I'll admit that. (laughs) But I was saved by God's grace. God has changed my identity into his child, into a saint of God, who unfortunately sometimes does sin, but who Jesus continues to cleanse over and over and over again. Well, when you tell somebody, (laughs) when you tell somebody that that they are something special, they're going to start living up to that. I walked into a convenience store. We were driving from someplace to someplace. We were out in the middle of nowhere. I had to get gas for our car. And so I walk into the convenience store, and here's this guy at the cash register. And I told him, hey, the pump isn't working. This guy left the cash register, went out to the pump, made sure it was working, flipped a couple of switches, did all this stuff, came back. I was in shock. I mean, nobody gives you customer service like that anymore, right? And so I was just... Thinking about it, I went and got a couple of chips and a drink, you know, a a Coke for the road. And and I went up to the cash register and I felt this strong impression to tell this young man that he was special. Not just because of what he had done. I sensed this guy was special and that God had a plan for his life. Well, you know what I did? I didn't tell him anything because I was too nervous. So I got my stuff. I'm pushing out the door and I feel the Holy Spirit say, no, you got to go back, talk to this guy, tell him he's special. And so I, all right, God. (laughs) So I go back to the guy and I say, I told him, I said, you are going to be a success in life. And here's what you find. When you start telling people the message that God wants you to tell them, your mind just opens up and you have even more to tell them. And I told him, I said, you're going to be leading a company. You're going to be highly successful in life because the, the Holy Spirit was prompting me to say these things. And, and I said, if you will just put God first in your life, the Bible says, whoever seeks the Lord will be a success. It says it in the Bible over and over again. There's many examples of that. Well, this guy's looking at me, dumbfounded. He's probably, I don't know, 19, 18 years old. And he says, are you serious? <laughs> are you serious? Well, I guarantee you, that blessing that I left that guy stayed in his mind, and I would love to know how that guy's life is going right now. That's how God is with you. He tells you nothing will be impossible with you. You're going to be a success in life. I'm going to bless you. You're going to be able to overcome obstacles with with me that you could have never overcome before. You see, God gives you that faith-filled positive view of yourself, that holy sanctified view of yourself. And let me tell you what, you start living up to it. You start living up to it. Some people 
legalistic, harsh folks will say, don't tell them that because then then they're going to turn their back on God and life's going to be too easy for them. Baloney. Baloney. Tell them. Jesus had good news that he told the people. Everywhere he went, he preached the good news, not the bad news. (laughs) He definitely said repent, but he gave them the good news of the kingdom. Do you think God's telling you, you are good. With my help and in my, through my son, Jesus, you are my child. Do you think God's telling you that? Of course he does. In, in Romans eight sixteen, it says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. God's constantly telling me, telling us, you're my child. Therefore, you are special. Therefore, you are blessed. You're going to live a charmed life. You're going to have problems. Don't get me wrong. You're going to have big problems, but with my help, you're going to overcome every single problem you encounter. Then we see in 1 John 3.3, it says, now that all who have this hope that I just told you about, if you start hearing good, good news from heaven, you have hope. Now that you have this hope in him, in Jesus, you're going to, it's going to purify you. It's going to cleanse you. It's going to clean out all the junk and all the negativity and doubt and fear and all that stuff that's in the hopelessness that's in us. It's going to cleanse us all out just as he is pure. You guys, we need hope from heaven. We need a good word from heaven every day, probably multiple times throughout the day. We need hope from heaven and that purifies us. Now, I want you to focus in on this one one little piece right here. It says in him. 1 John 3:3 3, 3, it says in him. All right? Now, we're going to end with this. All right? Your identity, your new identity, your sanctified identity, the part that God plays that we could never do ourselves is only found in Christ. I'm in picture a big old nice tent and I'm in Christ. Now, as a Christian, I can get frustrated, I can get angry, I can get depressed, and I can walk right out of Christ. I open the curtains, I come out, I'm outside of Christ, I'm still saved. I mean, God's got me in his hands, but I just walked out of Christ, and I'm going to come over here, and I'm going to live where I want to live, and do what I want to do, and react however I want to react, live in my anger, live in my panic attacks, whatever I want to do, I can do that. But in him, I find my new identity. The new saint of Stephen Norman. <laughs> the saint of whoever you are. He, he, you're in him and you find your identity only in here, not out there. Not out there. So let's look at this. And this is so powerful. In Ephesians 1, verses 1 through 14-ish, I think it is. And we'll just end with this, this scripture. You're going to find some interesting thoughts in here about being in Christ and finding that identity that I'm mentioning to you. So let's start reading just verse by verse, just these 14 short verses. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, for Christ Jesus, by the will of God, To God's sinners in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace be to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Does anybody see any problems with that that scripture right there? Well, I've edited the scripture. See, you got to check on me. You can't just assume that what I throw up here is coming straight from the Bible. I changed the word. It actually reads different. It doesn't say God's sinners. It says Paul, an apostle of God, to God's saints in Ephesus. You see that? 
God didn't write the Bible <laughs> to us poor sinners saved by grace. My goodness, that sounds, it's a false sense of humility to say that. God has made us saints. He's made us holy ones. So let's read on. I, I promise you I haven't changed any other words. The rest of this is straight from the Bible. All right, grace and peace to you from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here, verse 3. Now, I want you to notice everywhere where it says in Christ or through Christ or in him. I've bolded it so it pops out at us, okay? Praise be to the, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in heavenly realms in every, with every spiritual blessing in Christ, some people say, I'll never get a break. I'm never blessed. Things always go bad for me. My life stinks. Are you living in Christ? Or are you living outside of Christ? Make your mind to say, you know what? I'm going to start living in Christ in this new identity. Because it says in the Bible, I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing that's available to anybody anywhere. I'm in Christ. Let's read on. Verse 4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy. There it is. To be holy and blameless in his sight. He chose us in him. Now, in Christ is a chair. And I meant to bring up a chair up here. I'll, I'll pretend and sit down over there in just a second. But it's a chair with your name written on it. It's a chair in a massive stadium. And God's heaven. <laughs> And he chose you there in Christ. See, in the Bible, it, there's a lot of, you know, people are chosen and people are called. Does God choose some people and not choose other people? No, he chooses everybody. But you got to find your choosing in Christ. There's a story, uh, a story, an event when Jesus was walking along and this rich young ruler came up to Jesus and he said, Jesus, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus said, well... Gave him the Ten Commandments. He said, what else do I need to do? He says, well, you need to sell all you have, give to the poor, and come follow me. In essence, I've chosen you. Come follow me. Well, the Bible says that this man's face kind of fell because he's very rich. And he walked away from his choosing. He walked away from Jesus. Do you think Jesus didn't have a place for this young man? He said, come follow me. Did Jesus not have a choosing for him? No, he had chosen him in Christ, but the man rejected his choosing. And any one of us can do the same thing. God's chosen. Jesus came to save the whole world. He didn't want anybody to perish. He gave a seat for every single soul. It's going to be tragic when we get to heaven and we see millions of spots wide open of people that were chosen by God but didn't do anything about it. Oh, it's your choosing is found in Christ. Verse five, he predestined us to the adoption of sonship through Jesus Christ. He predestined you. What does that mean? He, he pointed you in the right direction and gave you all the resources that you needed to get to where you were going. He predestined you. He pointed you in the right direction and said, all right, I'm going to launch you. Now don't get off course. <laughs> Praise God, he's predestined us. And then it says, in accordance with the pleasure of his will, to be the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one that he loves. Where do you find grace? In Christ. Can you find grace outside of Christ? Apparently not. 
Come into Jesus and find the grace of God, the favor of God, the mercy of God, all in Jesus. Just walk into Jesus. Say, I, I want to be in you from now on. And we're gonna give, I'm going to give you some practical ways of getting into Christ. Don't worry. But look at this. Uh, in verse 7, in him, again, we have redemption through the blood. In other words, he's rescued us from our addictions, from our bad selves, <laughs> our, our tendencies to go the wrong way. He's forgiven us. He's lavished all these things on us in wisdom and understanding. To know, um, He's made known to us the mystery of his will, again, in Christ. Some people say, i got to know the will of God. What's God's will? Get into Jesus and you'll find out his will. Get into Jesus and you'll find his will. To be put into the effect of times when they've reached their fulfillment, to bring all things into unity under Christ. Now, how do you get into Jesus, right? <laughs> How do you do this? It sounds all good, but tell me, Steve, how do you do this? Well, it starts in verse 11. It says, in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan who works out everything in the conformity with the purpose of his will. You know what you need to do every morning? You need to get up and say, I'm a chosen one of God. I'm chosen. I'm not rejected. I'm not, uh, I'm not overlooked. I'm not... Judged, I am a chosen child of God. And in doing that, you will find yourself squarely in the middle of Jesus because that's what he wants you to say about yourself if you're a Christian. I am chosen of God. I'm predestined. This day is going to go right in line with God's will for me. And God is going to be with me all day long. I'm chosen of God. You say that sounds arrogant. No, God wants you to have that level of God confidence. God confidence. You know, recently, a big lesson I've learned is to stop doubting myself. I don't doubt myself anymore. Literally, I've quit doubting myself. You know why? Because Jesus is in me. I'm in Jesus. I can't go too wrong <laughs> with that. I don't have to doubt myself anymore. I say, you know what, God, I think I'm going to take this step in this direction. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. You're going to direct this step, and I'm not going to doubt my, you're going to push that foot wherever it needs to go. I'm going to start taking action. I'm going to get some movement going here, and God is going to push me in the right direction. I'm going to stop doubting myself. How else can I get into Christ? Well, in verse 12, it says, in order that we who, are for the, um, who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory, might put our hope in Jesus. I have stopped putting my hope in my employer. Why? I don't have an employer anymore. <laughs> my employer booted me out. So I don't put my faith in my employer anymore. I don't put my faith in my government. I don't put my faith... And myself, I put my hope in God. And every morning you get up and you say, I'm going to put my hope in God. Oh, man, let me tell you, you're going to find yourself right where Jesus is at. In Jesus, because you're putting your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 13, and you also were included in Christ. Look at this. this now it's just explicit. This is how you get in Christ. When you heard the message of truth, stop listening to the lies of the enemy. Stop listening to yourself because you lie to yourself quite a bit. I do. 
You know, stop listening to negativity, doubt, hopelessness, fear, and you start listening to the voice of truth, the Holy Spirit of God, the Word of God is speaking to you. Listen to Him. Listen to Him and stop and push out all these other negative influences in your life. If you have a toxic relationship, get away. Don't sit there anymore. Get out so that you can hear God. So you're going to be in Christ when you start listening to him, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, I'll tell you, when are you in Christ? When you start believing what he's telling you is true. When you start believing his promises. When you start believing what he tells you in the word of God. You believe you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. I love this one almost more than anything else. God has put his tattoo. He's put his name. I don't know what to call it. He's imprinted himself on my soul and I belong to Jesus. Now I don't belong to the world. I don't belong to anybody. I belong to Jesus. And when I get that attitude and I realize he's marked me with the Holy Spirit, I'm in Christ. I can't get out. He's got me. He's got me in a chokehold, not a chokehold. He's got me in his arms, embracing me, keeping me in him. The Bible says we're prisoners of hope. How would you like to be a prisoner of hope? Hope's got you and he's not letting you go. <laughs> That's, I, you know, I always try to reach out for hope. Now hope is grabbing me. Hope is grabbing me. So this Holy Spirit is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, which is the redemption of those who are God's possession you get in Christ when you start saying, I belong to Jesus. I don't belong to myself. My plans, my desires, my whatever, I throw it out the window, God. I belong to you. And now I'm in Christ and I have that identity, that solid, sanctified identity. And from there, we'll find next week what we can start doing after we've positioned ourselves in Jesus. Jesus.